G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Christians think about miracles in a variety of ways and sometimes it's about which denomination we've been a part of, which denomination has shaped the way we think about miraculous things. For some, miracles are the things that we see happening when a tele-evangelist prays for someone. They fall over and then they stand up and say, I'm healed. Uh, For others, there's a recognition that the greatest miracles are in the testimonies of people whose lives are transformed from sinful rebellion to a life committed to following Christ. Still, others see the miraculous in the fulfillment of biblical prophecies and the strategic providence and maneuverings of God. And we can have a variety of attitudes to miracles. A self-centered attitude might be focused only on my own problems and a quiet expectation that God will deliver me from my circumstances or my health issue. We're talking miracles today, whether it's signs from God, wonders and amazing happenings, or healings, be they physical or even mental. Our special guest through this coming hour, Dr. Jerry Stott, has been in full-time missions work with Foursquare International as the regional coordinator to the South Pacific region. He's personally witnessed nearly 200 miracles and healings. His first book is called Positioned for Miracles. His second book is called Positioned for the Gifts, a reference to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, Jerry Stott, a special welcome along to 2020. Hey, well, thank you, Neil. Really great to be here. Uh, Jerry, let's talk about living a miraculous life. Uh, For some Christians who think that being a Christian and believing in God is an intellectual exercise, uh, the sort of stuff we're going to talk about over this next hour takes us a little deeper than that. Yes, it will. Yes, it does. But I I believe in miracles all the way around from when the Lord grabs a hold of our life, changes our life, but then there are those miracles that come in between when he he works in our life and um, kind of interferes with our life plans and he changes things for us. Uh, interesting using the word interfering in our life plan. Uh, sometimes I like to think of the word intervention, but it's a, it's like, you know, God has his will and whether it's an intervention or an interference, uh, if it's an interference from God, then it's an intervention for us. Absolutely. Uh, yes, it's just that I believe sometimes with so many people, they were going down a certain path in life, and the Lord jumped in. Even when they didn't even think they were ready at times, the Lord jumped in. And um, yeah, inter- intervention is another good way of putting it. But sometimes people have their own plan, their own direction. They're doing their own thing, and all of a sudden, God shows up. Jerry, you say you've seen nearly 200 miracles and healings, Uh, people who were blind being able to see again, Uh, people who were deaf being able to hear. Uh, Give us some insights into the sort of miracles you've seen personally. Well, I've witnessed just about everything that you can imagine as far as miracles, and both in um, uh, the, of course, I lived many years in the United States. I've now lived in Australia 17 years, but 
even when we lived in the United States, I saw many miracles there. Uh, I serve a lot on the mission field, so some people believe, oh, well, it only happens on the mission field. But no, I tell people I've witnessed as many miracles, um, even in the United States as well. And that's where things really started for me. I began to, uh, there was a time in my life where as a pastor, I've been a pastor since I was 20 years old, and I began calling out on God, really because of my wife. She said, um, I was preaching up a storm, but she said, what happened to the things that you used to talk about from Bible college and and where you used to talk about the miracles and the things that God had done? I'm a real church historian, so I love church history. And I used to read about the, you know, these stories and revivals and this. But as I became a pastor, I was just, you know, I was busy preaching the word, but I didn't really think a lot about miracles in these. But when my wife shared that with me, it grabbed a hold of my heart, and I began to really pray, Lord, where, <laughs> kind of, uh, kind of like Elisha when he called out and he he went down to the Jordan River. He says, "Where's the God of Elijah?" And and I, I said, "Lord, where are you that you?" I read about these things, but I'm not seeing them today. And I began to get hungry for that, and then witnessed of for me what was my first um, great miracle that I saw, and then incredible ones afterwards. Okay, let's talk about some of those miracles. So what sort of things do you see on the mission field? Are there more prominent type of miracles that happen when you're working with people in a developing country context or uh, in a, a village, a tribal situation, different to the sort of miracles that you might see in a westernized, developed, more secularized context? Give us a, an account or two of a miracle or two. Well, uh, yes, and uh, first I'll say, actually, I I don't see a difference because I've witnessed them both. Now, I may see more in a developing nation only because often the people are reaching out more in their faith. They might not have the same um, hospitals or or if it's a physical healing or that kind of thing to turn to. They may be desperate. But uh, I let me tell you my the first one that I saw, which really just really took mm-hmm. me, we um, when we were pastoring a church in Southern California, we had a um, a large outreach to the community. Um, uh, it was with um, you know things like food or clothing or helping with jobs or helping with English and you know classes, just different things to help the people that had moved into the community. And so while we were reaching out to that one day, actually, and I can say this from over here and not get in trouble, but there the city had told me. Well, if you're giving food to people, you're giving things to people, you can't tell them about your beliefs. You, can't, you cannot tell them about you know, your Christian beliefs if they're coming for those things. So I said, okay, well, I can abide by those rules. But we had lines or masses of people sometimes lining up for food and, and dip the different items they needed. So I had a large staff taking care of that. So I said, well, there's nothing that says I can't come early and um, serve those people and um, talk to my staff about before we start the day officially. So we would start early, and I would preach a little sermon, a little message and, uh, to my staff while the others were waiting in line, and we'd get hundreds sometimes waiting in line. So while I was sharing one day, I was sharing about the woman with the issue of blood, how she reached out to Jesus and, and touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus healed her. Well, all of a sudden from outside, uh, one of the people waiting, the, this woman shouted out, would he touch me too? And I said, well, of course he would touch you. And, and what I didn't realize is that she couldn't walk. She was, um, she was uh, crippled at that point, could not walk. It was really just in one leg. And I said, well, come on up. And this was all just in faith. I didn't know what to do, but I felt on the spot. 
Well, she came up and um, the staff around, and we just prayed a simple prayer for her. You know, just the Lord touch her. And all of a sudden she started shouting, I think I'm well. I think I'm well. And she literally jumped up. Her her leg was healed. And she was complete. And even I was taken back, went, Wow, how did that happen? And I but I realized it the, the first step was a hunger to see people's lives touched and a willingness to pray for people for lives to be touched. And then that opened up some things. Other people heard about, many people heard about that. And so they started sending their neighbors, their friends, their family down to the church and say, hey, this pastor in this church can pray for people and and people get well. And all of a sudden we started seeing people get well all the time. Uh, We started a big prayer meeting. We had started a big prayer meeting in the church and that seemed to generate a hunger in people. And then the it was right shortly after this that I saw the first um, blind person healed. And that one actually took me back. We were praying for people, you know, a sore leg or, you know, a headache or a, a this kind of thing going on or diabetes or whatever was happening with people. And, and people were being touched. Well, all of a sudden, somebody brings into me a man totally blind. And I looked at the, that and went, kind of inside of myself went, oh, no. And it was a literal um, healing meeting, so there was a lot of people watching. And they, and everybody's watching, like, what's he going to do with this one? What's Pastor Jerry going to do with this one? So I didn't know, and I, I, I went to pray for him, and I, and I did pray for him. And actually, he started, he started shouting then, I still can't see. And he was, he was shouting that, I still can't see, which doesn't build a whole lot of faith for <laughs> people. And then the the amazing thing happened, though, is the man who brought him to church said, well, you can't see because you haven't received Jesus. You won't believe in Jesus. And he said, I will if you tell me how. So the man then turned to me and said, Pastor, tell him how. So I told him, well, you need to just ask Jesus to come into your heart, and and Jesus will forgive you of your sin. And he said, okay, I will. And I, I prayed what we would call a simple sinner's prayer with him prayed with him, and as soon as we finished praying, and in Jesus' name, amen, all of a sudden the man um, turned, and he started, this blind man who just had a blank stare on his face, started looking back and forth. And his friend said to him, put his hand in front of his face and said, what are you doing? Can you see? And, And his friend said, I can see. And so he said, count my fingers. And he's one, two, three, and he counted, and and all of a sudden, well, the whole church and the whole, all the people waiting went crazy, and the man was totally healed. And even I came away from going, you know, you're supposed to have great faith and say, I believe that. But I said, I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that interesting? And perhaps something that nearly all Christian pastors and leaders uh, have in common is that they're as much surprised by the miracle as what the people who are receiving the miracle ha- a- as well, because they're just simply acting on taking having faith in God to do what the Bible says we should do. And we're all filled with our own insecurities and our own doubts. But when that happens, it's then a huge surprise to the one who's praying. Yes, it is, Neil. And uh, it, it, it continued. I think it was like the week after that, a miracle. We uh, Then they had another, another night of healing where we're just praying for people with whatever it is that they needed, and people were bringing their neighbors and that, usually on weekdays, not even on Sundays or, or that. These were just in, in the weekdays. And uh, uh, I had this teenage girl that was sitting down in the front row, and the parents brought her up and said, um, can, you, 
can you pray for her? But there were so many people to pray for. I didn't even ask what was wrong with her. I just kind of reached out as the Bible says, you lay hands on the sick and they recover. And so I reached out to touch her. And, uh, um, you know, the Bible talks about anointing someone with oil in the name of the Lord. So I reached out to touch her with a little anointing oil. And as soon as I did, she started screaming, screaming at the top of her lungs. And I mean, the whole church was shook up. What in the world did that pastor do to her? And I, I, I stepped back and I went, what did I do to her? I didn't do anything. I just barely, you know, touched her with a little bit of anointing oil and didn't even really get to pray because she started screaming. Well, they, um, her parents took her out of the church, rushed her out because it, it made such a scene. Well, I don't know, I'd say 20 minutes later, the parents come back and tears are running down their face. They didn't bring, the, they didn't bring their daughter back in, but tears are running down their face. I'm like, oh no, what did I do to this, your poor daughter? And they go, oh, Pastor Jerry, we're so sorry that, that we had to do that. And, and I, said, I said, yes, but what's wrong? And they said, well, you see, our daughter was born without eardrums. So she, she's never heard anything in her whole life. And whatever happened when you reached out to pray for her, she could hear, she could, her ears were open and she could hear. And because the music, we had, you know, like a praise and worship and music going on in the background while I'm just walking around praying for people. They said when, the, when she heard the music, which she's never heard before, it terrified her, the loud music. And so she started screaming because she's never heard a sound before. And, um, and so, so they're again crying and saying, so thank you for praying for her. So to me, I, I stepped back again and went, Lord, I can't believe that because I thought, <laughs> oh, I have nothing to do. I had nothing to do with this other than reaching out just to pray for her. And then in that same service, we ended up having another one, uh, another young man as well, born without eardrums, totally healed in the, in the, that same service as well. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. And our special guest is Dr. Jerry Stott. We're talking about miracles. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Jerry, let's take a call. Jason is in Sydney. Hi, Jason. Welcome. Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, just uh, try and put this in a nutshell that... Um, miracles don't save people. Um, I've had a couple of uh, incidents where miracles have happened before us and people just thought it was good luck. Um, I think the discussion should also diverge to um, when people don't receive miracles, it's not their fault. Um, I have grown up with uh, charismatic Pentecostal relatives. Uh, my wife is disabled. Uh, you might you might hear a bit of tension in my voice uh, because I'm sick to death of uh, people in Pentecostal churches blaming my wife for her disability. Uh, when people have prayed for her and the miracle didn't happen, they automatically turn uh, to her and say this is not her faith. I've had people uh, in something a similar situation to your guest where uh, someone has said, "Well, I'm still blind." Oh, well, I still have the disability. And people, and these are specifically people in charismatic Pentecostal churches. I want to call on all Christians who are listening. Please, do not blame the sick or disabled person for their disability. 
when Jason, I, I think you're actually you're uh, you're asking very relevant questions here, and we'll get Jerry's thoughts in just a moment. But let me ask you one question before uh, we get uh, our guest to respond. Uh, Jason, do you think because of those circumstances in your own family that you would say to Christians, don't pray for the sick? I would say, oh, by all means, I would say pray for the sick. Now, my wife has a wheelchair, and everyone, like, everyone under the sound of my voice knows Kurong bookstores. Every time we go to Kurong, there's bound to be someone who will just stop us, just solely because my wife is in a wheelchair, and say, would you mind if I pray for you? And you know what? Every time, happy. Let's, let's just drop what we were doing. And you know what? Look, I'll take a blessing. I'll take a prayer from a homeless person. I'll take a blessing from Brian Houston. Anyone who wants to stop and pray, hunky-dory. But it's just, there's been time after time after time in our lives. And my wife also grew up in a Pentecostal church. And some of the vile things, that was said over her, just, just totally wrong. Okay, totally well, I think we're talking about here the need for sensitivity before you jump in and uh, begin to pray for someone, say, in the Christian bookstore. Uh, let's get a thought or two from our guest. Jerry, what are your thoughts for Jason? Well, actually, I address this quite a bit in, um, in my books, but here's the thing. I... I often tell people, people say, oh, Jerry, you've had this amazing healing ministry with all these people heal. And I said, well, actually, no, because I've, yes, maybe I've seen nearly 200 miracles, but I've prayed for at least 10,000. Literally, I've prayed for at least 10,000 people. I've had so many times when something did not come about the way that I thought, and I just took the biblical approach of the Bible tells us to pray for each other. That's it. The Bible tells us to, to pray. We're not responsible for these results. This is, this is up to the Lord to do. So I took it from there, and I, and I began to look at the Scripture. There were so many people. There were people uh, sick in the Scripture. There were people hurting in the Scripture. Elisha, even, who had so many miracles, and yet the Bible says Elisha died of a sickness. David was sick during his time. You, you see these different things, and I, and I came to the place where I said, no, it is not, and I agree, it is not the responsibility of the person like some have taken it. Oh, you did this, and that's why you're this or this. I don't. I cannot explain why all people are not healed when you pray for them, as all I can do is do what the Bible says, is when there is someone sick, you reach out and pray for them. And um, I often do wait till a person asks. I don't just offer to anyone, because I do see that um, when a person is asking, they're, they're wanting to participate in this as well. But I, I reach out and will pray, but I never hold the person accountable um, in that, I know I've certainly suffered in my own life at times with sickness and other things, and I didn't want to go back and go, oh, because I just did something wrong, and now God is punishing me. No, 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 no. We are sick in this world. We do have struggles. We do suffer. And um, I'm not going to hold a person accountable to that, but I am going to pray for a person if someone asks me to. Jason, you have raised some fabulous points. Wonderful to bring those things up early in our conversation. Jason from Sydney, thank you so much for your call. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316, talking about living a miraculous life. 
and uh, interesting and very, very sound comments we're hearing from our guest today about the sensitivities that we have uh, because we don't want to turn someone off their faith in Christ because we're so... Uh, so diligent about our own need to pray for people. So uh, 1-800-316-316, and we're taking some more calls. Let's hear from Peter in Logan in Queensland. Hello, Peter. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, good morning, guys. Um, really interesting conversation, I've got to be honest. Um, the last statement the last guy made, and I can see the understanding where he's coming from, from both sides. Uh, as a man with... Um, dealing with lung cancer at the moment. Um, I'd just like to give my opinion and interpretation to what I believe I was been speaking to me. Um, first of all, there's absolute nothing is impossible for God. Um, whether he heals this side of heaven um, in the physical being isn't your norm. It is miraculous. Um, but with myself, healing to me doesn't have to occur this side of heaven. When I breathe my last breath, I know I'm healed. So therefore, I'm in for my miracle, but it's God's call, 50-50. Peter, um, I can hear I, you're expectant that God can do anything if he so chooses. Your faith is deep enough that says, I know that my ultimate end is to be with Christ and all things will be good, all those sicknesses will have passed away, I can wait until then. But you, I guess, still would like to hear that uh, that word from God, that uh, the trumpet sound that says, you be healed too, Peter. But a thought or two from our guest, Jerry, what are your thoughts for Peter? Well, I, my thoughts for Peter were, are as well. Yes, no matter what, with even with me, if it was my dying breath, I would still be saying, Lord, I still believe you are my healer. You are the one who touches my life, whether I, I get healed in this life or I'm in, in glory with you. I trust you, Lord. But I stand in faith always, still believing, still calling out to God, still trusting God. And I know that even in my own life, I, um, when as a, as a child, I had severe, severe asthma. And uh, then there was years while I was in Bible college where, man, I fasted and prayed and prayed and prayed for that asthma to go because it was so severe. And I thought it did even after fasting so long. And then I still struggled with it. And I still struggle with asthma um, pretty severely today, though I've yeah. witnessed all these miracles. So do I say, God, oh, well, you're not my healer. No, God, you are my healer, and I still trust yeah. you, though I'm struggling myself with, you know, with the these ailments in my own body. Uh, yeah. Peter, Peter did you... I own path with God, and I'm a bronchiolasthmatic from birth, and I also have COPD. Um, I still smoke cigarettes, okay, straight up before use, um, but I'm before God before this. Um, and I've cried out to God all my life to set me free from this addiction or from this illness, but... Here's the thing, his grace is sufficient, and his will be done. Peter, great to hear your call, and uh, just uh, stay on standby. We're not going to pray for individuals yet, but you said, uh, I think you said you had, uh, was it cancer, or uh, what did, did yeah, you I have? have lung cancer. Lung cancer. All right, we're going to pray at the end of our conversation. I'm going to get uh, Jerry to pray, but uh, uh, stick around until uh, the next uh, 30 minutes or so, and we'll be leading a prayer for uh, everyone who wants prayer today. But thank you so much for your call, Peter. Let's uh, see if we can quickly get one more call in. Lee is on the line from Cardwell. Hi, Lee. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? 
Good morning, Neil, and, <clears throat> and Pastor James. Yes, uh, miracles certainly do happen today. The greatest one, of course, is salvation. Amen. But many uh, physical healings take place, Neil. And one case where prayer wasn't answered on, on the first time, and we prayed a second time. Uh, a man was totally blind, and uh, my friend and I prayed for his healing. And we said, what do you see, sir? And he said, nothing. It's just the same, just blackness. So we remembered in the scriptures where Jesus prayed twice for a blind man, and we uh, told this man about Jesus' uh, second prayer, and is it okay to pray for you twice? He said, yes, indeed. So we prayed a second time, and the man could see, and he proved to us that he could see. We didn't understand at the time why Jesus didn't heal him on the first prayer, but later on, a little bit of reflection, if Jesus answered our prayer on, on the first time, every time we'd probably get a swelled head. So, <laughs> that yeah. may be the reason, but uh, that's exactly what happened there. Lee, thank you so much for your call. We're talking miracles today, whether it's the signs from God, wonders and amazing happenings, or healings, be they physical or mental. Our special guest is Dr. Jerry Stott. He's been in full-time missions work with Foursquare International as the regional coordinator for the South Pacific region. He's personally witnessed nearly 200 miracles and he's also a part of with his church leadership in a region that has grown so significantly over the past 12 years of his involvement. Uh, more than a 1,000 churches have been added to the 23,000 churches and ministries in Foursquare. Uh, just before we take another call, Jerry, uh, your ministry role has been very successful over this past 12 years. Yes, actually, um, uh, what you're reading is from a little bit of an older older site. It's actually now... Uh, going on 17 years, and when we first started in the region, there were about 1,100 churches in the whole region. Now that exceeds, it's now around 27,000 churches, and from three countries or three nations, uh, or four, yeah, actually it was going into, uh, going into four, but now there's so many new nations that have been added to that that we're now looking at um, reaching into our 19th South Pacific nation, looking to plant um, very soon in Samoa. Wow. Okay, well, those numbers, mine were rather outdated, but those ones that you're saying, that's quite mind-boggling. And that's interesting because when we're talking about uh, the Asia-Pacific region, major church planting exercises, and uh, people might be interested here as to what sort of a role praying for people and seeing miracles actually has in the growth of those churches, because it's an integral part, goes hand-in-hand with church planting. Oh yes, absolutely it does. Um, uh, one of the one of the greatest um, miracles we did witness that changed um, someone so much in a nation was in the, the the small island nation of Kiribati, or Kiribati, as some would would say. And uh, I had a, I have a dear friend who was ministering over there, and uh, talk about a first uh, what first seemed to be a failure, but a woman died, and uh, one of the church members, uh, a teenage girl, comes running over to the pastor's house and says, my mother died, my mother died. And the pastor's looking like, I, what do you want me to do? And the, the girl um, said to him, well, pastor, you told us the story about Lazarus. Can you come pray for my mom? And so he traveled up. It was a little ways away and uh, traveled up to the place. And sure enough, the woman was dead and everybody, all the family was there. The woman had eight children. And so the children are there. Everybody's there. And and so this teenage girl says, well, pastor, will you, will you pray for my mom? And he's, well, okay. And so he prayed, but of course, still nothing. I mean, nothing happened then. And then, and then she said, no, pastor, please pray. And she, he prayed again. Still nothing happened. 
So he said, well, let's just sing a song. And they, they sang a little song. And then he said he felt that this, um, something happened in his heart. And he felt that the Lord said, gather the, gather this, um, the children of this woman, all eight of them, and her husband, and make a circle around her. And, and he did. And then he prayed again. And this is, I think, after 25 minutes of time. He kept praying, but nothing was happening. We gathered the children around, and um, uh, the, the husband, they prayed. All of a sudden, the woman coughed and sat up, and she was totally fine, totally healed, and gave this testimony. This is all documented. So I had skeptics from America, though, went, oh, come on now. Was she really? Ah, da, da, da. They traveled all the way there to check it out. Mm-hmm. So they met with the woman, met with the husband. And after meeting with the husband, uh, the husband said, I know you, you Westerners think that, that uh, we over here, we really don't know too much. And, he, and the husband says, but we still know dead. Because the, the man who came over said, well, was she really dead? I mean, come on, was she really dead? And the husband said, we still know dead. <laughs> and, and, but, the, but the glorious thing was that birthed uh, um, a church in that area that opened up the door for others to believe, so many others to believe, and it opened up the opportunity to bring the gospel. I have another. Well, I, uh, I have another amazing testimony in that. I can well, get to. there's plenty more to share, and uh, just interestingly talking about that because we're talking about raising the dead. Some people say, "Oh, there's there's people getting healed of a backache," but what about raising the dead? And yes, people are being raised from the dead, and I've had stories on 2020 over the years of the dead being raised, and people are astounded at that. What they often want to see is some sort of medical certificate that says they were dead in the first place and looking for that evidence I often say yes it's it's very good to see a substantiated miracle because there's medical evidence that goes along with that and you can't always have that in that moment but that's also very important and these days just a quick uh, comment before we move on these days Jerry uh, people are documenting amazing healings and you can go onto YouTube and you can see people actually getting healed it's amazing the way that the latest technology actually enhances people's faith in understanding that God is doing amazing miracles around the world that's absolutely right and I and I, I I've witnessed those times where um, in the Western world, so say here in America, uh, here or in America, that I have had that documentation where doctors and others they can't give an explanation for it. Where they have X-rays, they're holding up X-rays and saying, "This was you before, and this is you after." I don't believe in miracles, but somehow you've had a miracle. So those things do come about. Let's take another call. Natalie is on the line from Bunbury in WA. Hi, Natalie. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks so much. Yes, I just wanted to share something that happened when I was uh, 14 years old. My cousin is two, two weeks older than me, and she slipped into a coma because she got meningitis off some beach uh, in South Africa. She was just really sick. She had the worst case of meningitis and went into a coma and we obviously taken off to hospital. And some of my mom's church friends decided to come and gather around her and pray. And, you know, we haven't really seen, you, you read about it in the Bible, you haven't actually seen too much of that at that stage. And it was just amazing because the pastor just said, you know what, all that's needed here is be healed in Jesus' name. There was no feeling attached. There was no, fe- you know, there was no fireworks. There was nothing else. She was the only one out of the three kids that were in that ward with meningitis to totally, totally recover. The other two sadly, sadly passed away. And... um I just remember, wow, that's all he did is he just said, in Jesus' name, be healed. Can it really be that simple? That was my first 
sort of wake-up call. There's really something to this. But at the same time, I, I have to remember a story that somebody, um, some of the uh, pastors that I listen to online and that sort of thing, very well-known pastor, he used to say, when I, when I feel I'm, like I'm at my weakest and I'm praying for somebody, it's almost like there's no faith. This is so big. I've got no feelings behind it. Those sometimes is when the best, best miracles happen because you take yourself out of it. Whereas if you stand there and you're all pumped up and you're like, yes, I've prayed three hours every day for the last two weeks, you know, like I've got this, you know, this is, come on God, this is going to happen, you know, type of thing. Whereas he likes to sometimes show off when we completely take ourselves and our feelings especially Natalie, out of the way. Natalie, what a wonderful story you've been able to share. A thought or two from Jerry. Well, I absolutely agree. Uh, I agree in this, that often when I've witnessed the greatest miracles is when I was at my weakest point. When I've, when even in myself, I didn't feel like I had, you know, huge amounts of faith or when I was extremely, extremely tired. And uh, w- one of the times when I witnessed the most miracles in one service was when I was so exhausted in myself, I didn't feel like I had anything to me and the people literally are the ones who were forcing me to pray for people. I didn't even want to pray for people. I actually told them, please, t- I finished my sermon and I said, please take me back to my hotel. I'm so tired. I have to get back to Australia. And um, uh, uh, that was the service. They said, no, pastor, we've advertised that you pray for people for healing and all these people have come for you to pray for them. And so there was a little more than 50 people that, that were there just for prayer. And so they lined the 50 people up, and I didn't, didn't know what I did. I just walked around and just prayed for each one, anointed them with oil. And I could not believe it. That was the time where the most miracles happened when I felt at my weakest. But I just became the vessel to pray and touch people that really were in need. Just before we let Natalie go here, and Natalie, uh, when you said the prayer was a very simple prayer, uh, sometimes uh, we Aussies get caught up with the idea of showmanship. And there's a little bit of showmanship in a lot of uh, healing evangelism. Uh, your thoughts here, Jerry, the idea of showmanship, because sometimes people feel like you've got to be whipped up into a frenzy of faith uh, for a miracle to happen. But clearly what Natalie's sharing is that it sometimes is the opposite. And you've had that same sort of experience yourself. Absolutely. I do not believe in the in the show at all. It, it is not working something up or shouting out loud that gets um, God to move. It is it is up to the Lord and we're trusting the Lord. So we just have to, for me, I really believe we have to, even like Jesus, remember when Jesus would touch people and they said, oh, don't go telling anybody about that. Jesus wasn't trying to make a show. Of course, they followed him anyway. And then the news spread about him anyway. But Jesus didn't go around making a big show. We just want to be simple vessels that are there to pray for people, even just as you, you see with um, the Apostle Paul. It says they took handkerchiefs and aprons from him, and they went, and they, uh, those that were sick were well, or those with uh, demons were set free. Now, Paul didn't have any glory in shouting and yelling and doing anything with that. It was something taken from him. And so I, I really put down the show that we make at times Trying, and I think when we put a big show, as it's we're trying to bring some glory to ourselves. I'm not here to be about a big show. I just want to see people well, and most of all, well with Jesus. Natalie from Bunbury, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Bianca is on the line from uh, New South Wales. What's your town, Bianca? 
Uh, Gransvale. Gransvale. Okay. Bianca, what are yeah. your thoughts? Yes, thank you for taking my call. I'm going to walk the scripture very soon, but I just briefly I wanted to just give the honor and the glory to God about my the miracles that he done on myself. So I suffer of anaphylaxis for about eight years and um, doctors and you know specialists told me that I wouldn't be able to recover from that. I always have to be under medication, but um, praying and praying and praying. And it's only in God's timing that he did the miracle on me, that he healed me. And I don't suffer any more of any of the, you know, symptoms or anything. It's just like being clear and it's just in his timing. And that's all I wanted just to share with people that are hearing. We're here to pray and it's um, God is a compassion God that we serve. And he will work. And, and if he doesn't, in the good times and bad times, always praise him and thank him for what he's done to us. Bianca, great story. A quick thought from Jerry. Oh, just no. Wanting to thank God with you on that. Thank thank God for for what He is doing with you and um, trusting Him the the way that you are and believing for your future in Him. Let's take another call and uh, we'll we'll put a line under the call shortly because I've got a few other things to just to to round out our conversation and we want to take some time to pray. But let's hear from Karen, who is in Melbourne. Hi, Karen. Hi. Uh- I've got a friend, and I happened to see her mother, and she was like a, a rag doll, and she had no memory or anything. And her daughter, her, her granddaughter, she went to the doctors one day, and they said, I, in your age, in between, 80, uh, between 70 and 80, you're going to have memory loss. And... Um, they said, why don't you go somewhere that people can help? So I, I went like fishing. I went around to different churches and I said, I, they're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I asked, I said, what is the Holy Spirit? It's just like we can't read. That's why I'm trying to explain to you. We can't read. And I said, well, it's, is it just like having a milkshake or going around asking for hamburgers or something because I said, I really don't understand about the Holy Spirit. I'm not knocking it. I believe in it. I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in my Holy Father. But I don't understand about the Holy Spirit. I often heard people speak about it. Is it Jesus' Holy Spirit or is it something else? I do not know. And I couldn't tell these people. Karen, let's talk about some of those things here because when we talk about God as Trinity, we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, three persons, but one God. Uh, I wonder, I'll just get uh, Jerry's thoughts here because it would be good to expand on these issues of the Holy Spirit and to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what are your uh, thoughts for uh, Karen here? Well, of course, my um, my thoughts go to, and I agree with you completely, Neil, we, we are serving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are one. Yet the Holy, the, this, the Holy Spirit part of the Trinity has that, great ministry, though, of touching lives. As we see in the New Testament, it is the gifts of the Holy Spirit that bring life, that bring uh, uh, prophecy comes from, uh, healing. We see um, all those different things, miracles. We see words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all that are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it seems that Jesus 
um, in has left us with the Holy Spirit. Remember, he told those apostles, uh, the, those leaders, wait, wait till the Holy Spirit comes before you launch out basically into your ministry. These are men who've witnessed so many things, walked with Jesus all those, those years, and yet he told them to wait. And then when the Holy Spirit came, they walked in the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, because the, the Godhead is saying, when that part of me touches you and fills your life, that's when you will touch this world in a greater way. And that's when we saw the apostles then moving out and the miracles and the signs and wonders you witnessed in the book of Acts. Karen, thank you so much for your call. We'll put a line under our calls uh, just uh, about five or six minutes in our conversation remaining. And we want to take some time to have a quick prayer. But let's uh, just expand a little bit for us here on these gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned in the introduction uh, that you'd written a couple of books, one of those Positioned for Miracles and the other one called Positioned for the Gifts. And that's a reference to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 12. And so you've got things like the word of wisdom through the spirit, the word of knowledge, faith, healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits and different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. So there's nine in there. Uh, your thoughts here, Jerry, and uh, I, I, we've only got time to be general on this. People have to get the book to get the details. But in a general sense, those gifts of the Holy Spirit, different to the fruit of the Holy Spirit yes. that we'd read about in Galatians, but these are for every believer, aren't they? Well, absolutely. The, the reason why I grabbed hold, and I believe these are for every believer, it, you see there in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul speaking here, and he says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, my brothers and, of course, sisters, I do not want you to be unaware or of, or ignorant. So you notice the Bible say, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So the apostle says, when it comes to these things, I do not want you to be ignorant. Yet I found in the church today throughout the world, many people are ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit. And then he explains what they are and then what they're for. And then in verse 31 of chapter 12, what I love about that the most is he says, now earnestly desire the greater gifts. So the apostle says, I want, not only do I not want you to be ignorant of these, I want you to desire these. I want you to want these in your life. And of course, I can't see how any Christian would not want to see other lives touched if God can use them to touch another life with whatever that need is, whether bringing people to Jesus that, that are trapped and bound with sin and destruction, or whether it's to touch them when they need a healing touch or when they're broken, whatever it might be. God uses the gifts of his spirit to speak in to lives. I mean, even when it comes down to a prophecy, you know, the Bible says prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And how much when God would give us a word for someone who maybe is struggling, but to edify them, to build them up, to exhort them, to push them to say, hey, you can do it, and God is going to work in you that you would go forward. Or maybe they're in a bad, a difficult time in their life, and it's to comfort them. But I believe the gifts of the Spirit are truly that, a gift of the Holy Spirit to give life to the people in this world who are hurting, struggling, and they need that touch from God or they need that motivation to go forward. And I suspect that given the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
that there are going to be some people who will have some levels of excesses and on the learning curve that we all might be on, uh, that we're going to in some ways misuse some of those gifts from time to time as we learn and become mature with those. But that might not be a reason not to desire these gifts. Now, uh, this is an interesting thing because uh, even as we've had that uh, call a little bit earlier, you know, sort of uh, saying that there's some cautionary things about healings there's cautionary things about all of these gifts aren't there jerry there there absolutely is and there are people who go to excess or extremes on uh, one thing or or another what i always come back to the bottom line is i said the god wants to touch lives that's all he's interested in he wants to touch lives he wants his house full so he remember he wants heaven full so if we're here on this earth we are here to be his vessels to be used by him to touch lives. That's why Jesus had told the told the disciples, of course, I'm leaving. And they're like, no, you can't leave. How could it be good if you're leaving? Jesus, it's better if I leave. How can it possibly be better if you would leave, Lord? No, it's because Jesus knew that once the Holy Spirit is upon them all, they can be all over the world. And for every believer can be in a, a, another place in the world to do the same ministry that Jesus did, which is to touch the hurting lives. Jesus was moved with compassion. And that was the reason for his ministry. Remember what he said when he started. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Well, we are almost out of time. And I did say earlier on, let's take a few moments at the end of our conversation to ask you to pray. And there will be some people who are carrying all sorts of uh, physical challenging burdens. And it might be issues to do with Jobs. It could be family members who are in real trouble, relationships, marriages, children, rebellious teenagers. Could be all sorts of things that are on people's hearts right now, Uh, not to mention other bigger things that some people will be thinking about in their state or their territory and the challenges that are upon us as a people. Uh, Let's pray here, and uh, it's going to be obviously a fairly general sort of a prayer. But, Jerry, before we pray the prayer, what are you going to include in there so people are not taken by surprise? Because sometimes, uh, you know, if I'm going to just go along with what that man on the radio says, uh, let's just say what's in the prayer before we pray it, and then we'll we'll pray and people can agree to, to pray with us. Well, very simply, though, I, I like to pray that for a person trusting in Jesus that their whole being would be well, whatever part of them, whether it's, uh, you know, their, their emotions, whether it's their physical being, whether it's it's the things going on in their life. The, the, the weight and the worry and the cares that they're facing in this world. But whatever is a part of them, they would come into, Jesus always brings life. That, so they would come into a place of new life in whatever they're facing. He is the God who answers us and is, is concerned about our life regardless of what we're going through. Physically, mentally, emotionally, of course, spiritually, So whatever it is. Let's have this prayer then. And if you are going through very tough times, it might be a physical ailment that you're dealing with, something that is beyond the control of doctors. And you're thinking, I just need a miracle from God. Well, we're going to pray. Why don't you take a moment, bow your head, and believe that God is able to intervene in your circumstances. And uh, you can let us know via Facebook uh, if that is something that happens for you now. But let's pray, Jerry. Father, we come to you in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who heals us. That is part of your character. That's part of who you are. Jesus, as you walked this earth, you went around healing all the sick. You went around touching lives wherever you went. You were so concerned and and moved by their needs. And so, Lord, I would pray right now, and I stand with my brothers and sisters throughout Australia at this moment, that whatever they may be going through, whether it's a, it's a physical healing, those that have a physical need right now, Lord, you would reach in to touch their body because that body of theirs, as you told us in your word, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, when you went to your temple and the temple was out of order, it, that's the time where you removed the things that were in that temple that did not belong. You drove out the money changers and that, and you went in and you restored that temple and you said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And you restored it. And then it says the blind and lame came and you healed them. So Lord, for their physical temple that they're in, this temple of the Holy Spirit, touch them now. Whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever ailment, Lord, I speak healing life into their bodies right now healing in Jesus name for those that Lord may be listening out there and they have not been walk they have not really known you or maybe they knew you and they have not been walking with you I speak the healing of relationship right now you'd restore their lives back to right relationship with you because you are Jesus are the prince of peace and they would come back into complete peace with you you said that you would give us the peace that surpasses all understanding that would guard our hearts and minds. So I also pray for those that may be going through other difficult times, Lord, that right now you would speak your word of hope inside of them. Holy Spirit, you would bring that. You're the comforter, Holy Spirit. So you would bring that comfort in their lives, that touch in their lives now, and bring them hope again. So we just speak the life of healing, victory, and purpose for your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And uh, I know that listeners will have received uh, the prayer as you've prayed it, uh, but let's believe that it's not Jerry doing something special here, but it is God himself who can intervene into your circumstance and bring renewal and healing and, uh, you know, that wellness uh, that Jerry mentioned. Uh, You can let us know if there is uh, something that you'd like to share as a testimony via our Facebook question today. Let me point you to that, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. You'll find our post there about miracles if you want to feedback something through, if something does happen that is good for you. Uh, Dr. Jerry Stott is our guest. Jerry, I want to point people to the books uh, that you've written because for those who want to explore things a little deeper and uh, you've heard Jerry and the way that he's so articulate in explaining these things about healing, you might want to get a hold of Positioned for Miracles, Making Your Life an Amazing Story and another book called Positioned for the Gifts, Preparing Ordinary People for Extraordinary Power and Compassion. Uh, the author is uh, is Dr. Jerry Stott. You can get a hold of those uh, places like Kurong Books, or you can just simply Google those on Amazon or get them from the publisher Ark House Press. And there is a, a website for Positioned for Miracles. It's positionedformiracles.com. Uh, Jerry, thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.